I have hit record. Hello, Schnuckles. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you very much for asking. Also, hello, Betsy. It's great to see you. Um, so just a heads up, this is probably also going to go on the main uh, on the main feed, on the Sacred Tension feed, uh, because I am behind on the production schedule. So this is going to have to be a uh, public release. So hello, you disgusting freeloaders, you goddamn socialists who don't pay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I love all of you. But for all of the freeloaders out there who do not pay $1 on Patreon to make sure that I do not have to suck dicks under a bridge to make ends meet. I uh, have released this episode publicly. This is an unlocked episode of House of Heretics, which is the show where Timothy and I drink coffee and talk about bullshit for your listening pleasure. We do this as a live show with patrons every what day is today? I don't even know. Friday. Anymore. Every Friday. Thank you at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And by the way, Timothy McPherson is a former officer in the Salvation Army. And so we have fun conversations about, you know, culture, religion, theology. Uh, and some conversations are not fun, like I suspect the one that we are about to have. But before we get to that, um, I have to thank the newest patrons, the patrons who have decided to no longer be freeloaders and have signed up for at least $1 on the Patreon. And that is Marky Moon, Jack, Amanda, Jessosaurus Rex, Amy, Sean, Caprosius, June, Miley, and JP. Thank you so much. You are all ensuring that I don't have to like cut my stomach open and insert a live cam in there so that when I eat uh, so that when I eat lots of pizza which happens more often than it should it won't be streamed to the dark web so that disgusting voyeurs online won't jerk off to the sight of pizza being digested in my stomach do you want that for me I don't want that for me so please gentle friends sign up for my patreon just $1 a month, and you get, you know, my hottest and most ill-considered and disgusting takes, like what you just heard. That is exclusive to Patreon, my friends. How are you, Timothy? You know, I just released a little picture of me saying, hey, we're about ready to record House of Heretics. Uh, I'll send you the link later on. I'm not certain about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, it's okay. I just want, I think you just have a very intimate knowledge of uh, what people like on the dark web. That's sort of scary. Listen, I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe that's true. My primary genre that I enjoy online on YouTube is like spooky, horror, horrible depravity. That's my favorite genre. And so like, true crime or horror stories i love those youtube channels that just like read you horror stories for hours and hours and hours that's the best i love that mm. so yes i know all about what goes on on the dark web no i'm kidding i don't know oh my i have no idea <laughs> um 
All right. Well, <clears throat> so um if I seem particularly subdued right now, which I know I don't, but if I were to, um I feel subdued because before recording, I so so we were discussing the how how do you pronounce his name? Tyree Tyree Nichols. Tyree yeah. Nichols. Right, right, right. Um I had heard that something unspeakably horrific had happened in Memphis, Tennessee. That mm-hmm. something absolutely um uh, just a crime against humanity had occurred over the past week. Um but I wasn't really up to date on on the details. So this morning before recording I watched the actual video of of the event. And um I would suggest that if people are able to and everyone knows themselves, everyone knows what they can and can't handle, if they feel like they can handle it, I th- I think that it is informative and important to watch it, but a lot of people can't and shouldn't, and that is 100% okay and acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot stood out to me. I mean, for the, the, the main thing that stood out to me was just the, 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 the egregiousness and the unspeakable horror of, of it. And I'm honestly kind of speechless. Right. Um, yeah. Just just for clarification, this didn't actually happen within the past week. It, okay. The actual incident happened on the seventh of January. Got uh, it. Involving a traffic stop in Memphis. Um. He was initially pulled over, according to the officers, for reckless driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and sustained injuries, brutal injuries to him that happened that where he succumbed to his injuries three days later in the hospital. Yeah. I uh, mean, uh, it defies description. And I will say what I thought was the most disturbing part. The most disturbing thing to me was the video footage from afterwards where the cops are talking about him as if he is a trophy. That, to me, was the most fucking chilling and horrific part of the whole thing, for me, was the way the cops were talking about him afterwards. Um... So I am left with just this, uh, having no idea what just happened. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm left having no clue what, what happened, why it happened. It's, it's just unspeakably horrific. Um, and I think that's about all I have to say about it. Uh, there is so much 
I am not in a real good position to even pass judgment on anything around here. Even though I used to work in law enforcement, I know that what they did went way beyond anything that should have happened. Uh, first of all, and this goes without saying, the guy was handcuffed. You don't pepper spray or tase somebody who is in restraints. That just doesn't happen. Um, and it was, I still remember an incident one time, uh, once where I knew an officer who had used a taser on, uh, somebody who was handcuffed and, and, uh, the Sergeant I was talking with told me later that they would have to write that officer up because you're not allowed to use the taser on somebody who is restrained. The person was running away, but still that did not give anyone any excuse to do that. And this goes way beyond yeah. what, what was going on there. It, and by by the way, I need to. I've it. Something just occurred to me that I want to clarify. I did not watch the video prior to recording this to do the equivalent of a YouTube reaction video, just to mm -hmm. just for for the sake of entertainment. Just to be clear, I went on to YouTube to look up news stories about it, and the top thing from CNN was the actual video. And I just clicked on that and and watched the fucking thing. This was not planned. And I am not I the thought of of doing a like YouTube esque reaction video to something like this where people get my response live for the sake of entertainment. That is just grotesque mm -hmm. and not at all the intention behind this 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 was very uh kind of unexpected and spur of the moment clicked on the top story from cnn and there the video video was and i was like well i i i should probably watch this um just to just to clarify what happened <laughs> like the, yeah i would you know that that would be unspeakably grotesque for me to do there, that well there's something in the human condition where we react differently to images like that. And I know you yeah. yourself have been involved in a situation where you were forced to watch yeah. a terrible incident happen there. Yeah. And for, for people who don't know, I was in a shooting when I was 19 years old and uh, I have talked about that elsewhere uh, publicly, but yeah, that was in Colorado in, in 2007. So I, I did not watch the video purposely. I mean, I, I have seen news clips where they will show something from the distance of it. And when I see that it's being portrayed, I switch it off Yeah, just because I also know myself and know that I know how horrific it is 
and I don't want to necessarily have my brain wrestle with those images for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, you already know so, it. You you yeah. you already know. You already know it's right. bad. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um so I guess with this incident and this is probably the the issue that comes up for many people. First of all, it involves the police. Second of all, all the officers involved were black. Um, and so those are like two topics that are so contentious right now hmm. that it's difficult to say what is right, what is wrong. And there is so much gray area here um, that it is difficult to, what I want to try to avoid is putting a blanket statement over everything and saying, this is why this happened here. Oh yeah. And we don't, we here as, as we have covered on this show before when other really horrific events have happened because I was in a shooting. Right. And so I have a, I have an interest in, in violence, I I don't really talk about it. I don't write about it, but I have an interest in mass violence. <laughs> By interest, I mean, I mean, I have a personal stake in it because of my own personal experience of witnessing a shooting, and so I feel like I've I'm one of the few people who've won the worst fucking lottery on the planet, which is mm. actually witnessing a mass shooting. And it does, it has made me really interested in how people respond to violence, how the narratives surrounding violence take shape, and how those narratives f form, they crystallize within minutes after mm -hmm. the news breaks, and then they become very resistant to criticism. And sometimes those narratives are correct, sometimes they are not, because as we have covered on this show before, Violence is incredibly complicated. There mm -hmm. is never one single answer for violence. And, and I personally try to resist this strong impulse to impose a unifying theory of everything onto a violent event, especially in the first days and weeks after it takes place. And to... Mm -hmm have more of a detective mindset and be like, I don't know what happened. Let's figure it out. I can have suspicions, but it, it takes a long time. And I, and I watched this firsthand with the shooting I was in. It takes a long time to figure out why someone did what they did. That's just the nature of violence. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. No, no, my thoughts are, Okay, I don't know why they go this direction, but it's one of the trauma events that is seems to be in our collective psyche right now. Um, my thoughts go to the attacks on September 11th. Mm -hmm. And have you seen the documentary of the falling man? Oh God, no, I haven't. But I but the those those images I cannot handle. Right, it's the same there for me where. Um, it started off with this iconic image of somebody falling from one of the, uh, the towers after it had been attacked. And 
uh, the World Trade Center in New York. And it was almost in that one little blick, that one little snapshot of the image of somebody falling down. He looks so serene. And that's the wrong words for what was happening at the time. But it seemed with all the chaos going on, he seemed to be so serene. But when I watched this documentary, it's an investigation to see who this person was, what was going on, who they could have been, and interviewing the photographer. And the photographer himself said he didn't even realize what he had captured until afterwards when he was looking at them and and seeing what was going on there. And uh, he said the lens was almost like a protection gear for him that he was able to shield himself Mm. from that, from that horrific scene that was happening. And uh, um, that was like a very controversial image of somebody who had to make a terrible decision. Do I stay in the building or do I end my own life? And uh, then Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who it was. And it turned out that the person they thought at first it was, it wasn't that person. And the family who uh, of the falsely identified person was horrified to figure out that they thought this, this was their husband, their father, um, et cetera. And it turned out to be totally wrong. Hmm. Um, they did come with a conclusion as to who it might've been, but it was never directly said. Uh, and I don't think that's the point. I think the point is what, and, and at least in this incident, incident here, the point of the documentary is what does this do to us? How does it affect us? How does it change us? Um, and there are no easy answers there no. that I have. No, not at all. No, I think that's a good example of... So several things stand out to me in what you just said. The first is just how, you know, acts of violence and acts of destruction and and acts of despair are very complicated. And um, it takes time to unravel them, right? The other thing that stands out to me in what you just said was that quote about how the lens was a sort of protection. And I think for a lot of us, social media is a sort of protection. That's a lens through which we can look at these horrific events and the narrative instantly congeals. Now... Here's the thing. I acknowledge that I am in a position where a lot of my community is no longer on social media. So I don't go to social media to commiserate. I don't go to social media to find community. Well, technically I do. I, you know, I, I'm on more private platforms like Discord, which are forms of social media. By social media, I mean like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so on. Big social media. Um, but you know, a lot of, a lot of minority groups still rely on social media 
for commiseration and community and catharsis and all of that really important human stuff and human connection. I am not in that boat, right? So I just have to acknowledge that that is the case for me. Um, I don't rely on social media for my community. It seems to me from my perspective that a lot of people... Social media can become a lens that protects us from just facing the awful complexity of an event like this. And it's it's way harder, I think, to just sit with sit with those images that I just fucking saw and be like, I don't know yet why that happened. I might have some good mm-hmm. theories. Actually, I don't. In this case, I really don't. <laughs> I have no idea why that happened. In this case, I don't have any theories. Um, but there's there's something horrifying about just just sitting with the mystery. Hmm. Okay, now bringing it on to the religious aspect. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as a Christian... This brings up the issue for me of atonement theory. Ah, uh, yes. And so, for non-Christians, this is the theory about why Jesus died and what Jesus' death did or did not do. And the atonement is the idea of bringing peace between humanity and God. Um, there's big arguments among Christian circles, not arguments, just discussions and theories and uh, the reason why Jesus died. That is uh, the big thing. Uh, For many modern evangelical Christians, they subscribe to a theory called penal substitutionary atonement, which means that God, that sin the bad things that we do separate us from God. And according to the sacrifice system, something has to be punished in order to take the punishment of those transgressions. And Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for that punishment um, to take away those sins. For many evangelicals, they subscribe to this. This is the way they view Um, the relationship with Jesus that he did the ultimate sacrifice and was able to give his life so that we might have life with God and atonement with God and eternal life in heaven. I personally don't subscribe to that theory because it sort of seems ridiculous. God punishing uh, humanity for eternity, for things, for things that we would never punish our own children for, for eternity yeah. And if we subscribe to the theory that Jesus is also part of God as the Trinity, then God is sending God's self to punish God in order. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's a really circular argument. And then there's another theory that uh, Christ's death was uh, it's an older model. It was called Christus Victor, which is Jesus's death um, and resurrection conquered sin and death 
Um, and that's the whole idea. It's a more palatable uh, view of atonement in my eyes. Uh, in fact, you can see this in many Orthodox Christian icon iconography. Something very powerful is uh, when you see images of Easter in Eastern Orthodox churches, you will see Jesus coming out of the tomb and Jesus also bringing out Adam and Eve. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, the idea that Jesus was also able to conquer sin and death. Um, and then you have the more practical reason, and which when I say it like this, I know so many people will be very angry with me for saying that, that the reason and, why Jesus and by, stood, and by people we mean other Christians. I don't yes. think I don't think the Satanists <laughs> listening are going to give a shit. Yeah, but, probably not. But the the one Christian who is going the one conservative Christian listening to this is about to get big mad. Yeah. The reason why Jesus uh, died was he was executed for treason and blasphemy. So that so, was why. So what you're what you're saying, I think what you're saying is that confronting the real reason why Jesus died, which is he was executed for treason and blasphemy, mm -hmm. is way harder than accepting than than it, accepting the other like substitutionary atonement and coming up with with these big theories about why. Is that what you're all, saying? Yeah, they're all after the fact. Right. They're all trying to make sense of it. And the thing is, it's a very human response. We try to make sense of bad things that happen to us. And a, a very human response, this has nothing to do with the Christian response, but a very human response is to ask why. Mm -hmm. Why did this happen to me? Why did this bad event happen to me? Why am I going through uh, a divorce? Or why am I going through a tragedy? Why did my lost uh, loved one die? Um, why did this evil person live, but this good person who did nothing ever wrong die? And it, it's that thinking that is a very human quality. Hmm. And I have no problem with people who wrestle with these issues. And, and in fact, the wrestling part of it is a very human thing. And I encourage people to do that, to to wrestle with these ideas and to uh, come yeah. up with di different reasons. But the answer doesn't always satisfy. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I can also hear listeners, and since this is, yeah, Betsy says theodicy, that is the problem of theodicy, the, the you know, the, the problem of evil, the theological question of why does evil exist and how does a good god uh how how can, how does it um explain theodicy timothy no okay never mind i i <laughs> no, no, no. my my words are failing me right now listen listen trying trying to explain theodicy after what i just fucking saw no i'm not going to do that. No. no theodicy is basically the theological question of why do how can a good god be reconciled with bad things that happen in the world yeah simply put yeah that's the easiest way to 
do it. And it's a question that people deal with over the centuries. Uh, even if you look at the book of Job is a prime example. Job is uh, one of the books of the Bible. Um, it, it involves Satan, too. <laughs> yes, and Satan is fat. The role of Satan in the book of Job is fascinating. Yes. Um, and here's another one I throw out for my Christian friends there. Uh, the book of Job never really happened. It's just an allegory. So, yeah. Um, the story behind Job is uh, now the view of Satan here, and we're looking at, at a very ancient, ancient Hebrew view of Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Ancient Hebrew Jewish concept. So, this is not the Milton version. This is not. A satanic temple version of Satan at all. Satan in the ancient Jewish concept is a type of prosecuting attorney. Yes. Um, is a member of the heavenly courts. And so, in other words, Satan is in heaven. Hmm. So, in this instance here. And even the word Satan is ha satan. That's the Hebrew word. Satan is accuser, the one who accuses. So you have this position in the heavenly courts of this angelic creature whose goal is to point out the faults of the world of humanity to God. And, and there you have this image here of God and Satan in the heavenly courts talking with each other. And God actually brings up this person of Job. Job was a righteous man. He was a very wealthy man. He had lots of children. He had lots of goods. Um, and uh, he also worshiped God very reverently. And Satan's accusation was, oh, he only worships God because good things are happening to him. If you take the good things away from him, then he will no longer worship yeah. uh, you. And it became, becomes a whole test there between uh and actually, God allows the testing to happen. Yeah. So, uh, so he loses all, uh, all of his worldly goods. He is, uh, his children are killed in a freak storm. It, uh, he's afflicted with uh, boils all over his skin, and he's just basically suffering. His friends, when they come to torment him, the uh, you know, yeah, actually, they did. His friends come to comfort him, and they end up tormenting him, basically by saying, hey, it's your fault because you must have done something wrong. Otherwise, God would never have done this to you. Um, and that's the whole question, the wrestling between um, why in the world did this happen? Who, uh, God must have gotten something wrong. And when God actually finally shows up at the very end, God says to uh, Job, like, who are you to even question me? So we're not even left with a very satisfactory answer here. Yeah. No, I think that that demonstrates why ancient literature is really important to read, be it the Book of Job, be it, you know, Gilgamesh, be it or whatever the case may yeah. be. You know, like great literature is great for a reason, and one of the reasons mm -hmm. is because it it gets to these deep questions of human suffering and human nature. And Job is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible because of that. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. basically about suffering and, and how, how do we reconcile that with the concept of a God existing? But so, you know, 
as I sit here say saying, I don't know why this happened to Tyree Nichols, um, I can hear a lot of people in the audience, uh, especially since this is going to be on the main feed, ask how how can that be? It's obvious what this is. This is systemic racism. And I, I just have to confess that that right now, as I am sitting here, that is not clear to me. It could be. Like we all know, like Jesus Christ, I know as a, as a gay person, I harbored lots of homophobia when I was growing up as a gay person. Right. So we all know that that black people can be racist against other black people, that gay people can be homophobic, that trans people can be transphobic, that women can be sexist. Like, yes, absolutely. So I'm 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 not. I'm not saying that it isn't true that racism had no role in this. It's just that based on what I just saw, it is not at all clear to me that that is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not close to the idea. I'm, I'm not, a, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not opposed to it. That's the wrong wording, but you get what I mean. Yeah. And I just, I just don't know. I mean, the, and the reason I say that is because there, it felt more like out of control, raging masculine violence. That's what it felt like more, just watching it. It felt like domination. It felt like brutality. It felt like a rush of of intense violence. It felt very... Um, and I try really hard not to use the word toxic masculinity because... But I, but it felt very toxic. Ma- it, it felt very toxic masculinity. I mean, it, it felt like the worst of masculinity. At least that was how I encountered it in the moment. And again, this is entirely subjective. But it, it felt like this had to do with a rush of aggression and power and control. Nowhere in the video was any language any racist language nowhere in the video was any um there there wasn't any racist or demeaning language in that way but there was a lot of displays of dominance mm-hmm. and Another thing that stood out to me was, you know, at the very end, which, like I said, was one of the most disturbing parts for me because people, the the officers were talking about him as if he was like a fucking trophy, like he was a deer that they just killed. Mm-hmm. They were talking as if they had, they had just encountered a bull that was, or a tiger that was about to maul them instead of an unarmed man. I, what, who, I don't know if he was unarmed, I, but I assume he was based on the video, right? I, I haven't looked at any of the news stories following after I've just seen the fucking video. I've, I've just, uh, clarified as also reading what I've, have 
news articles, nothing has been mentioned yet. Okay. Of him having a, a weapon of any sort. Yeah. So I think it's fair to assume based on the video that he was unarmed is what it seems like. He, mm-hmm. and he was trying, he was running away. He was overpowered. He was, he had the clear disadvantage. These police officers were talking as if they had just taken down a mountain lion. That was really weird to me. So there is some misperception. There was some misperception going on between what I saw on the body cam and what they, as a group, were experiencing. I don't know why that is, but it there is some very distorting effect where they were responding to they were talking about this guy as if as if he was a, a, a tiger that had that they had to bring down or else he was going to kill them. Mm-hmm. And so it isn't at all clear to me that racism played a role in this. It might have, like it genuinely might have. And hopefully as the story unfolds, you know, as the investigation unfolds, we will get a clearer idea of what happened and why. And maybe racism plays a role. I don't know. But it just, it is not at all clear to me upon watching the video that that is the case. Mm-hmm. It, I really don't have any words for it, but it almost seems like lots of times certain situations bring out a very bizarre response in humans. Lots of times it's in acts of war Mm -hmm. where the most depraved parts of humanity come out. Yep. um, Where people rejoice in how they killed uh, somebody and they rejoice in the details about that. They, they brag about how they did it. And when you're viewing that in times of peace, it's just unnerving to look at things like that again. Um, yep. I don't, I have no idea what to do with some of those instances. I can bring, uh, it's like watching Stanley Kubrick's uh, Full Metal Jacket all over again. Yeah, uh, I've never that, seen that. I need to watch no. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Why? Well, you can if you want to. I but mean, it listen. Is, it is. It yeah. will. It. I'm. I'm pretty sure it'll be fine after what I just watched. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So so another th- another thing that I want to emphasize, by the way, is people respond to violence in really different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I just like people, people respond to grief. People respond to violence. People respond to the news of violence in very, in just drastically different ways. And, you know, I'm in life. I am in a lot of social worker circles because Mm -hmm. my partner is a social worker. Let me tell you, 
social workers, especially those who work in uh, death and suicide, have some of the darkest fucking senses of humor I've ever experienced. I have ever mm. seen. <laughs> and it's because they are on the front lines dealing with it day in, day out. I mean, the the shit that a lot of social workers, especially social workers who help um, first responders with with suicide, with um, acts of violence, with, you know, just just all of all of the various things with drug addiction, heavy drug addiction, um, the unhoused population, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Those those social workers are are on the ground confronting truly horrors of humanity that most of us in America have the luxury of not having to look at day in, day out. But people like my partner, they they get to look at it every day. And they, they have just cultivated, like, the worst fucking sense of humor I've ever seen. Mm. Um... I say that to just highlight that different people respond to human violence in different ways. Some people do so with humor. Some people do so by numbing out. Some people do so by being sad. Some people do so by being angry. Some people do so by not demonstrating any emotional flicker whatsoever, and it it, it takes time for them to process it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, some people, and actually, I tend to be this way. That I think that is my emotional response to a lot of bad things. Is something bad happened? Okay, I'm just going to go on with my day, and then it'll like gradually sink in, and we can. I, I sometimes worry that online culture and social media really valorizes specific emotional responses and doesn't allow for like the natural neurodiversity of human human response to tragedy. Um, and there's nothing wrong with rage. There's nothing wrong with vindictive and and with 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 righteous anger. The, that's great, but. Not everyone is going to to feel that in the immediate aftermath, and that is okay. It is okay for people to have different experiences. <laughs> it's also okay for people not to grieve online, right? Right. I I have a pretty strict rule that social media for me is is cats, Satan, and my content. That's it. <laughs> and occasionally an article that I find interesting. And occasionally I'll boost a friend of mine who wrote a, an article or whatever. Um, like I'll, I'll boost something written by Lucian or by a reader that something that, that a reader sends in or whatever. Like, right. But other than that, social media for me is very professional and, and I'm not going to comment on this on social mm-hmm. media because, mm-hmm. and I think that's fine. People, you can, people can process shit like this outside of the public eye with their friends, and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, this all brings about, I've been watching uh, The Lord of the Rings with uh, my boyfriend because he has never seen it. I know that's sacrilege. but It is you know. sacrilege. 
<laughs> there's this one quote that I absolutely love. Um, it involves between Frodo and Gandalf. Oh, uh, yes. Frodo. In, in the Mines yes, of Moria. He, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Even though in the book it doesn't happen then in the Mines of Moria. And, but still, anyway. But the uh, quote is still very real. Um, there is this bad event that has happened. For those of you, I'm not going to explain the entire story. It is a bad event that has happened, and one of the main characters, his name is Frodo, said, I wish it need not happen have happened in my time, said Frodo. And Gandalf, who's a wise wizard, said, so do I, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And mm-hmm. that speaks to me more than anything else. You know, I cannot control what has happened to me i cannot control any of the evil that has happened to me what i can control is my response to it and even then i had to give myself the only word i can think of is grace (laughs) yeah you know leniency you know patience and understanding just to know that it's going sometimes these terrible events are going to take a while for me to process. You were talking about not responding right away to a traumatic event and only processing and taking it a lot longer. And um, I've written about this recently on my blog post. Um, I myself was assaulted and this was in 2015. I was assaulted, uh, by somebody uh, who strangled me and uh, basically had to do with me being bisexual. Uh, I remember him distinctly saying to me that he was going to beat the homosexuality out of me. Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah, you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to live with that for a good long time. Um, And I noticed, however, when I would talk about it to friends or even just acquaintances, they would be in absolute shock and then ask me, are you okay? Because I'm not responding how they themselves would normally respond. Hmm. And then in this past year, uh, I actually started having panic attacks about it. Hmm. I started remembering the actual incident, what it felt like the air the, um, around me, where I was, the time of, it was. It happened late at night, so I remembered everything about it, and I started having these panic attacks, and I decided to uh, get therapy for it just because I knew I myself couldn't process it well, and I needed some professional help to, uh, to go over it. And it has helped me out a lot. <laughs> My goodness, it is, it was one of the, hardest things that i have had to deal with so yeah yeah and it takes time and it's brutal and we all do it in different ways right um yeah no i mean that that was my experience with the shooting as well that i Mm. that i experienced where it it really took me years to Mm -hmm. you, you know i feel like i had the classic i had the classic uh, three to six months afterwards of super intense, um, uh, you know, nightmares, hypervigilance, paranoia, just mm. classic trauma response um, after a horrible incident. And 
So I had the the classic three to six months, and not everyone has that, right? But but I think it's normal for people to have that after a traumatic event where you witness people shot to death or whatever the case may be. Um, and then and then whether it continues after that is a matter. It, it, whether it, it goes on after that period, that initial period is what determines whether you have PTSD or not. Um, and whether it just, it's like your brain gets stuck in that setting and, uh, you're just endlessly processing it. Um, Hmm. and it doesn't go away and you keep having the nightmares and you keep having the, the, you, you keep having the, the hypervigilance and so on and so forth. Yeah. For me, in my instance, it was me repressing it yeah in a way uh, i was able to stop thinking about it yeah and and then um even right now i was like i'm all tensed up my legs are all tense mm. my arms are tense and yeah and i'm re- recognizing hey this is just a normal response to what had happened to me mm. and um i was able to in the past no longer I, I can no longer do this. I was able to push it down mentally until my body and my mind just said, that's enough. You need to process this. And that's what led to those panic attacks there. Yeah. Of what had happened to me. Um, so I w- actually, I'll just tell everybody what type of therapy I went through. I went through EMDR. Um, which is eye movement desensitization. Oh, I forgot what the R stood for, but it was a very helpful process. Good. Is it helping? Do you feel like it's helping? Yes. It was very hard. Okay. It was like, and basically this is what involved. First of all, there's a lot of preparation ahead of time because you just don't dive right into it. But uh, the preparation involves uh having a good thought or memory to um, have for yourself to go to in order to counteract the traumatic images of what had happened um and then uh, once you have that in place to um uh, to also then have like uh, the way um, my therapist did it with me to, concentrate on the good things that I can remember about what had happened during that assault. The good things I mean are what I was thinking as I did not have any self blame on myself Hmm. because, um, yeah, I was about to say, Hmm, finding a, finding the silver lining in an assault is a bit of a challenge. (laughs) Well, the thing (laughs) but I hear, but I, but I understand what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. The, the thing was, uh, the thing that I could remember about that is I did nothing wrong and I did the best mm-hmm. that I could and I stuck to the my values and beliefs that I had had. And the thing that was running through my head as this man was uh, strangling me was this the Sermon on the Mount. And I am for your Satanist listeners, <laughs> that is a series of teachings that jesus had given you can find this in matthew 5 yeah and i believe in luke 11 um one of the things that jesus had said 
was when somebody slaps you on one side of your cheek, turn the other side to let that person slap you on the other. Um, and that's in my mind's eye, that's what I was doing. I wasn't fighting back against him. The only thing I was actively doing was to try to make certain his arms weren't choking me to the point where I couldn't breathe anymore. Yeah. Um, I wasn't hitting back. I wasn't kicking or anything like that. And if I had done something, I know lots of people in this situation probably would have, and they're, they're perfectly fine to do that, but that would have gone against who I was. Sure. And I don't blame anybody who is at, you know, in my, in your place, I would have kicked the guy in the groin. And honestly, in my, in, in all that happened in that time, I wasn't even thinking about that either. I was just thinking, I need to breathe. I need to get his arms off of me. Mm. And I'm trying not to resist. I'm trying to follow what Jesus taught. And that was like the hard, one of the hardest things wow. for me to do. Okay. If anyone needs an indication of just how deep religious conviction goes, there it is right there. <laughs> okay. Like if anyone, no, like if anyone, if anyone needs any indication of, of how deep religious belief can go into one's DNA, yeah. you know, how we act in that, in those split moments of panic, um, being, you know, being informed by our religious life instructor, that's, uh, that's significant anyway. But yeah. And so, um, the idea of EMDR, it start, it started off with, uh, trying to stimulate both sides of your brain and, uh, into remembering what happened and to experiencing that so you're able to process it. Yeah. I think Instead it's kind of Instead of repressing a, it to process it. I yeah. think it's a I think when it when it works really well, it's it's kind of a form of exposure therapy almost. Because it's yes. like you're 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 re, you're kind of stimulating that the the visual part of the brain or whatever and you're having that memory of it and it, it's like you're you're um, exposing yourself to the experience deliberately, and therefore it it's kind of exposure therapy when it works well. On that note. <laughs> On that note. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I appreciate it. And if you have thoughts on this episode, please let me know. I can't wait to hear from you. Share your thoughts in the Discord server. Um, if you share your thoughts on social media, I won't see them as we have already covered. I only use social media to promote my work and, and cat pictures and really nothing else. So if you want to share your thoughts about this episode, please send them to the Discord server or on the blog post specifically for this episode on stephenbradfordlong.com. Um, all right. Bye. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>